Hi, everyone. This is Chaplain Jeremy Salido, and I'm stationed at Naval Support Activity South Potomac, and this is Stepping Off the Brow, a show for sailors and military-connected civilians where we look at life's issues on both sides of the ship's brow. So whether you are stepping off the brow to come to work, stepping off the brow to come home, or you're waiting for someone to step off the brow to come home to you, this show is for you. More importantly, during this time of COVID-19 and all the things about being in the Navy life, we want to introduce you to people and their stories that can give you strength for today and a bright hope for tomorrow. So today we are chatting with Commander Chandra Newman, who's the CEO of Helicopter Sea Combat Squadron uh, 5, is going to kind of chat with us today. So uh, uh, HSE 5 is part of Carrier Air Wing 7, so um, go Night Dippers. So so welcome, ma'am. Thank you. So um, we're just going to go ahead and jump right into it. Um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, um, how long you've been in the military, and um, just kind of a little bit of your general background and kind of how maybe the trajectory of your career, educational background, and kind of how you ended up as CEO, like what, what that sort of looks like with your story? Sure. Uh, I actually joined the Navy when I was 19 in a pre-9-11 Navy with a bachelor completion program, an enlisted commissioning program, um, with a contract to OCS and a flight contract. I had a dream ever since I was about in sixth grade to fly, but nobody in my family was an aviator of any sort, and I can't even begin to tell you where it came from, but it was a it was a dream. I wrote a book report on it when I was in sixth grade. Wound up enlisting, enlisting and. Uh, early 2001 and then finished my degree, which good Navy paycheck helped pay for my education. And then went to OCS under that flight contract, flight school for a couple years down in the Pensacola, Florida area. And then advanced helicopter training, a fleet replacement squadron in San Diego and then stationed in Norfolk for about eight years. Then went to Guam for a department head tour with HSC 25 then to the War College for a year, Germany for two years, and then right back to Norfolk. And now we're here with Carrier Wingson. So born and raised Floridian, Alabama's where I call home now. Troy State grad, now known as Troy University. Go, go Trojans. So uh, it's, been, it's been a good time. 19 and a half years. So how did you decide that you wanted to be a pilot? And specifically for helos. So, like I said, I had a dream uh, in sixth grade. I was a country girl, so we had to do public speaking events every year in order to show our cows, hogs, chickens, rabbits, whatever, at the county fair. We had to do this thing called county events. And so uh, leading up to that time, I'd always done like a, a cooking demonstration or something like that. And in sixth grade, I got uh, I used these parts of a two-for-one, don't tell my teachers, back in sixth grade, I had a, a, a school book report, and then I also had to do county events, so I wrote a book report on the history of naval aviation, and then used it for my county events, and wound up going to regionals and selected for state in the speaking competition regarding the history of naval aviation, and ever since then, I was bitten with the bug, 
I wanted to fly, and I had no idea that it was going to be in the Navy in the years later. Uh, no idea how that was very fortuitous, honestly. And then went to flight school. You, you wanted to know how I became a helicopter pilot? Well, I was a puker in flight school. <laughs> I got airsick. I'd never, I'd flown, I think, one, maybe two commercial flights ever before going to flight school. Mm-hmm. And flying in VT6 in the mighty T-34 Turbo Mentor in June in Florida, I got airsick every flight for 13 flights. Uh, unless they put me in the spin and puke, which is just supposed to desensitize you from from aeronautical adaptation. Mm-hmm. And uh, then they would, if, if they would do a combination of, of that additional training along with medication to help with the motion sickness. And I, I was a breath away from actually being physically disqualified from aviation because I wasn't aeronautically adapting. I, I kept puking. And I actually had uh, the flight surgeon had gone to the front office to recommend NPQ, the student control officer that you had to visit every single time you puked, uh, and my on-wing who instructed me because I hadn't failed any events. I would literally discharge whatever was in my stomach content at the time, bag it up, put it in my pocket, and continue my flight. But the fact that I was puking every time, I, I had to go through the whole the whole process while well, my on-wing and the student control officer went to bat for me basically. And they saw something obviously that, that turned, tended to work out. Um, I was able to stay in the flight program and promised that I would never go jets. <laughs> so now were you at that time trying to go, as we'd say, fixed wing? Oh, I think every aviator's initial dream is to, to live out their fantasy of growing up. Well, for, for my generation, growing up with Top Gun, yeah, absolutely. I want to be a fighter pilot. Um, and so it might be a little bit lost on, on the current generation, given that a lot of them haven't even seen Top Gun. We'll wait for Top Gun 2 to re, reinvigorate that, I think. But So yeah, could you, could that you was refresh? An original, that was an original desire until I started speaking, and then that quickly was not a desire anymore. Could you refresh for us maybe like one of those conversations you had had with someone as you were trying? trying to stay in the program, trying to stay in the swing and on that trajectory, and, and how you felt in those conversations. Well, so for every Navy, Marine, and Coast Guard pilot, you start with fixed wing training to begin with no matter what. Um, so it wasn't a question of, of trying to be fixed wing or not at that point. That's the training pipeline for primary flight school. So not understanding that I was going to get airsick for the entire contact phase. Um, I, I can tell you very clearly, it's exhausting when you're feeling ill on your flights and you still have to perform to the to the level of grade and criteria of your cards. And then when you get to the flight, knowing that you uh, you got airsick and still finished your flight, but still had to go talk to Stucon and go through medical and do all those processes, because you can't be an airsick aviator and expect it to can, can do your missions right. That doesn't that doesn't work. Um, but it was qu- pretty quickly where, where it was, it was exhausting. And, uh, as much as I enjoyed flying fixed wing, I enjoyed the aerobatics and going upside down and I enjoyed those things. Uh, my vestibular system did not. So, uh, it, w- it didn't take much convincing to say, yeah, I'm not gonna, I don't, I don't think jets are for me. 
Uh, can you tell us, like, so you were you were talking about how going through flight school, you know, there's these, um, you know, you kind of experience like, you know, sickness and not knowing if you're going to make it through the pipeline. Like, what was it that kind of got you through that? Well, for me, I think it was always the dream. And so I had a goal in mind and the vision of seeing that goal, the distance I didn't know, I'll be honest, I didn't know the flight surgeon conversations in the background. I had, I had no idea. I found that out a couple of years later as I had um, wound up being friends later in life with that student patrol officer and then uh, kind of got more of, of more of the story. But for me personally, I tried everything. I did everything that I could. Everybody has the, the wives' tales of, of remedies from ginger, eat, don't eat, bland food no food, uh, crackers, ginger ale. You, you, you mentioned the, the remedies, the, the herbals, the whatever you can, let alone on top of the, the Navy or military program of trying to aeronautically adapt somebody being the lovingly called spin and tube chair um, that I had to do a couple of rides in. Uh, and on, it, part of it was also being on the, the medications for air sickness but you can only do that for so long because you, you just can't rely on being on meds for, to, to do your job, right? So, um, at least not for aviation. So, the end goal was, for me, the self-motivation and doing everything on my end that I knew that I could do and, and hopefully control as much as possible. And the rest of it was out of my control. Uh, I am a faith-based person, so I was going to church and doing all those things and, and trying to just stay positive and keep my end goal in mind and do the best I could. The things that I could control was how hard I studied, how I knew my procedures. And if I got sick, that I knew that I could finish my flight and still execute because I knew my procedures, even if the consequences of getting sick in flight was still, I had to go through the whole administrative and medical process every single flight. Um, made for longer days, but I knew what I wanted and try to keep as a positive attitude as I can and try to control the things that I can control. And for things that were out of my control, I, I left it up to the hands. So now we're getting into a segment where we're going to have some rapid fire questions. We like to call this ramming speed. As I you always like say, to call it ramming speed. I, I call it ramming speed because this reminds me of Ben-Hur and the scene when they're in the boat and the guy with the leather is beating the drum and they say, Reverend Speed! And I just envisioned myself as one of those characters. Could you imagine me? Oh, as, no. uh, it's a, and, and not the guy with the oar. And not the guy no, calling no, the command. It's the guy, the guy wearing the leather beating the You're drum. You're, Jeremy, you how many folks are going to understand the Ben-Hur analogy? This is part of my no mission. One has is to raise awareness of cinematic excellence that has been her. First question. These rapid fire. Ready? Here we go. Don't even think about it. Just answer. Ready? What's the weirdest thing you've ever eaten? Oh. Um, uh, uh, Baloot and the Philippines. What is that? What is it? It's like a partially fermented, partially grown chicken. Sorry to hear that. Oh. Yeah. Uh, do you have any hidden talents? I used to be able to play the flute and the French horn really well. I can't say that I do much anymore. 
Nice. What's your favorite thing to do when you're alone? I'm a movie buff. I like watching movies. Like I ben read, Hunt. obviously, but guilty pleasure part, movie buff. Yes. Favorite movie? Oh, there are so many. If, you'd have to like narrow it down to genre, like for crying out loud. That's that's not even close. Um, uh, I really enjoy or rom-coms, Sabrina, whether it's the classic Audrey Hepburn or the modern Harrison Ford, Julia Roman version. Uh, love me, Bill Pullman, whether it's comedy or action. Very niche. Right. Um, Independence Day, right? What's that? Independence Day. The first one, for the record. Right, yeah. Yeah, nobody wants to watch yeah. it. The, uh, uh, let's see, action thrillers. I like the Bourne series. I like the, the Taken series. I like the sci-fi fantasies. I'm a closeted Trekkie, maybe. Mm. But I also like Star Wars. I think my brother went more Star Wars. I went more Star Trek. Uh, so yeah, I'm probably nerd on that way too much for most people's taste. Okay, so my favorite series was Star Trek. If you're a really Trekkie fan, you'll know what your favorite series is and what. Next Generation, Patrick Stewart, Every Day, Yesterday, Today, Tomorrow. Engage Make number one. So. Make it so. <laughs> Christina, you're up. Go. Oh, what's your favorite line from a movie? Ooh. Man, the Rolodex is going right now. Um, so this is kind of a, a, a weird, unfair question because, as you know, on deployment, every dumb movie has a dumb movie quote, and that's usually where everybody, like, you anchor down on a, a movie quote that is usually in the dude comedy realm. So you like old school, you're my boy, Blue, as a, as a go-to. Um <laughs> You don't know what I'm... You've never seen... At. Sorry, Jeremy. Yeah, that's... You oh. just have to watch old school. Yeah, old school. And then you get the, the... Like, an interview moment with the Will Ferrell character as he's doing the debate and he just completely blacks out and he wakes up and he's like, oh, what happened? Um, there's... Uh, uh, you got me there. I, I would have to say that just... More deployment movie quotes are rolling through my brain right now than than actual beloved movie quotes but you're my boy blue is, a, is kind of a go-to deployment classic from right. old school how would you spend a rainy day probably watching a movie <laughs> or reading a book but again depends depends if i'm i'm wanting to be just a couch potato or if i want to be more mentally stimulated with a, a, a book that I, I have on my nightstand. Uh, would you rather be part of the Incredibles family or the Weasley family? Ooh, Incredibles or Weasleys, you said? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I just, pick one. the first time, because really, because of you, Chaplin Montel, for the first time, I actually watched the entire Harry Potter series uh, a couple months ago. Um, and oh, so that, that, that I never read the book series. I still haven't. I need to, but I, I finally watched all eight movies or something crazy like that. Mm -hmm. Kind of dig the Weasleys. Not going to lie. 
Nice. All right, last one. Would you rather live in a house made of cheese or a house made of cookie dough? Cheese. All day. Boom. As long as it's not the really smelly stuff. No, good cheese. I mean, maybe it could be like different bricks of cheese. I'd like the smell of the cookie dough, but if I'm going to have a snack on my house, it would definitely be the cheese. <laughs> Agreed. All right, now. Our theme music is the song Josie O by Jamie Stone. Ramming Speed Music is the song Music to Clean Your House To by Jennifer Ian Levitt. The views and opinions expressed are those of the hosts or guests and not the United States Navy. You can subscribe to Setting Off the Row wherever you find your favorite podcast. And of course, please feel free to share this with your shipmates, friends, or family. See you next week.